is up everyone? I'm Mario Fraioli and I'm excited to bring you the seventh installment of Common Ground, a monthly podcast co-hosted by me and Danae Doremi of The Grounded Podcast. In this episode, we catch up on what we've both been up to of late, personally, professionally, and athletically. We talk marathons, we discuss music, and a whole lot more. Before we dive in, a big thank you to New Balance for helping make this episode possible. I want to tell you about the new Fuel Cell Super Comp Trainer, which is available now wherever you get your running shoes. Man, this shoe is something else. It's got 47 plush millimeters of foam underfoot and a super comfortable rocker profile that encourages efficient forward motion. It's also got a carbon plate in there that helps smooth the transition from foot strike to toe off. Bouncy is the word that comes to mind when I think of the shoe. The upper is lightweight and super adaptable for different foot types. And basically, there's nothing else out there like it. I've been using the Fuel Cell Super Comp Trainer mostly for recovery runs, but it works well for long runs and tempo runs too. The ride is so fun and forgiving that it's solidified a spot in my rotation for a long time to come. The Fuel Cell Super Comp Trainer from New Balance is available on newbalance.com or at your favorite run specialty retail store. This episode is also brought to you by Gooder, my favorite sunglasses for running, driving, walking the dog, and pretty much everything else that I do outside. Not only do they look good, they won't bounce, they don't slip, and they're polarized to protect your eyes. Best of all, they're super fun. I'm personally a big fan of the OGs, and my favorite colors are Ginger Soul and Mick and Keith's Midnight Ramble. Gooders are also super affordable, with most pairs coming in at just 25 to 35 bucks a piece. So if you'd like to support me and the podcast, treat yourself to a few pairs of Gooders and head over to gooder.com slash Mario and use the code Mario15 to get 15% off your entire order. That's G-O-O-D-R dot com slash Mario and use the code M-A-R-I-O-1-5 to get 15% off your entire order. And remember, your face will thank you. Okay, that's it for the introduction. Please enjoy Episode 7 of Common Ground with me and Danae Doremi. You know, it's kind of funny for me just setting up for this because the last time that I had all of my podcasting equipment out and got my mic set up was the last time we recorded um, Common Ground, which was a month ago. Same, I, Mario. Same. I um, had one new episode of the Morning Shakeout podcast since, which I recorded live, which was awesome, with Peter Gilmore, who was one of my early post-collegiate right, right. running heroes. But I've had reruns the last few weeks, mostly because the rest of my life has just been so crazy and chaotic that I haven't been able to prioritize the podcast. And um, as I was setting this up to him, I'm like, oh, this is this is kind of weird. I feel like I'm a little out of practice with uh, with getting on the on the mics here, but always a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, for sure. I feel very similarly. I'm I'm also I've also had a chaotic month, I would say, and haven't been on the mic much, but it's interesting you mentioned having just recorded a live show because my 
my next time recording will be later this week and it'll also be a live show. So I'm like preparing for that as well. Um, but it's, it's kind of nice because when we do this once a month, I'm like, oh, this is just my check-in because I definitely neglect my own podcast from time to time. And, uh, I've been like writing more and doing other things more. Uh, so I appreciate that this kind of keeps me doing some podcasting because that's what I really love, I think, uh, on a monthly basis. So yeah, it is very nice to be here. <laughs> yeah, it, it does keep us in practice and for me i i feel rusty like honestly just talking to you like i'm totally comfortable talking to you but i feel totally <laughs> is this, rusty is this thing on <laughs> yeah just being on the mic I'm like oh i got this thing in front of my face and is everything recording which yes uh <laughs> thankfully it it seems to be um but i look forward to this every month let's catch up tell me about your live show yeah. that you have upcoming what can you tell me and our listeners about it yeah i'm super excited i actually i think i like kind of teased it in the last episode of mm -hmm. Common Ground, but I will be attending uh, Wazelle's annual bird camp, right. which is sort of their running retreat. And they uh, they put it on for members of their volley team. And so it there's, to my knowledge, you know, a lot of registrants and we're headed to a, a cool woodsy location uh, where we're going to do a bunch of different activities. There's going to be like hosted runs and uh, there's a lot of just like fun perks in terms of being there. So I'm really excited. I've actually never been on a running retreat at all. I know that's something that happens like out in the industry from time to time, but uh, especially with like the women of Wazelle uh, that, that lead the organization. I've done a lot of work with them over the past year or two. So I'm really excited because I've actually never met anyone in person. So this will be, so actually be my first event I've ever done in person since I started my podcast, which feels uh, crazy to say, because I feel like I've been doing this for a long time, but we started in a pandemic. Yeah. So. In-person yeah, opportunities <laughs> aren't, yeah. aren't really there all that frequently anymore. They're definitely starting to pick up, though. I mean, that's... They are, yeah. Um, yeah. That's definitely on the horizon for me here in the coming months is just more travel and more in-person events. Some of them podcasts, yes, some of them same. other things, but we're kind of back to full steam now and you're getting to experience it for the first time being in quote unquote normal times, even though we're definitely still in the midst of a global pandemic. Right. Yeah. And traveling is a little bit of a nightmare right now, but, um, but the actual live recording will be great. It's going to be one of the main events of the retreat for the attendees, but we thought it would be cool if we also put it out as a public you know, publicly available mm -hmm. podcast episode on my show. So it's going to be a conversation around supporting the next 50 years of women in sport. Of course, we, um, I think we've talked about it here before the 50th anniversary of title nine, uh, is, is going to be part of that conversation, but I'll be, I'll be speaking with several Wazelle athletes, Rebecca Mara, Lauren Fleshman, Kara Goucher, and I believe, uh, Jenna Fessemeyer. And so I'm going to just lead a conversation around that. And we're, we're going to have a good time. I'm really excited about it. I am traveling across the country to do it. So I'm just kind of getting myself mentally prepared uh, to be on the road that long. It's not that long, but it feels like I'm going to be gone for, you know, several days. And I don't do that very often anymore and getting live show stuff set up. I, I don't think I envisioned myself ever doing a live show when I started the 
uh, when I started Grounded Podcast uh, in 2020 because it just seemed very far away. I remember seeing other podcasters I really looked up to hosting live shows and and getting to talk directly to athletes, you know, in, in person in front of an audience. And that is very different, I think, than sitting behind a microphone and talking to you like in a screen and be having, you know, my, my water here at my desk <laughs> and like in my house, like I can take a break if I need to, or, you know, we can edit it. This is very different. It's like a live event that I'm moderating. So I'm, I'm excited about it, but I'm also a little nervous. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a, a different experience. And the way that I think about it, having done this now for five years is you have what we're doing now, which is recording this from the comfort of our own homes over the internet. And we have just sort of like full control over editing it, taking a break. If one of us needs to run out and use the bathroom, grab a drink, whatever it may be, flub our words. Um, then you have recording in person, which is what I did with Peter Gilmore. I was at his house, across from the table, got to look him in the face, read his body language. And I prefer those kind of conversations. Um, they're very they're very intimate, but I feel like you can really connect with a guest in that way. But same thing, if someone needs to go to the bathroom or grab some water, mm -hmm. cough, whatever it happens to be, you can do that, edit it out, and the people listening on the other end will never know. But then there's the live show. And that is, I'm not saying this to, to scare you, but just in my experience, Great. that's when <laughs> the lights are on you. And there aren't many opportunities, if any opportunities, to really take a break, start over, um, all of that stuff, like I just feel like you got to be a bit more on it. But I've I've also felt in those environments, like I am just so present and so hyper alert mm -hmm. that I can respond a lot faster. I know that I can't necessarily start over, and it does feel yeah. like more of a performance in in that way. And you're going to be great. I mean, I know that you're going to bring yeah. your A game. You have a lot of experience. I think just interviewing people in general. I mean, you've haven't met, but have definitely talked to many of the women who are going to be on that panel and you'll see them yeah. <laughs> in the time before. So you'll be able to kind of get comfortable. And that goes a long way too. Like, especially if you have a chance to just like informally meet one another beforehand, spend some time together, that time on the stage is going to feel just that much more comfortable than it would be if you've never, you know, spoken a word. Um, and I'm excited to see how it shakes out and to listen to the released version yeah. once it ends up in your podcast feed. Thanks. It's funny that you call it a performance too, because I feel like the only thing I have to really equate it to is my time as an admissions officer. <laughs> um, so I used to, I obviously used to be uh, an admissions officer at Yale University or for Yale College uh, for undergraduate admissions. And that meant that I hosted a lot of in-person information sessions. Mm -hmm. And so that's something I haven't done in like probably like four or five years. And it's so funny to think that that was such a big part of my life at that time. I, I had that job for several years and I used to travel around the country and give these sessions and I would show up to a high school, like not in the middle of nowhere, you know, wherever I was traveling in Oklahoma or South Dakota or Colorado. And I would, I would show up to this high school at night. I would have to carry all my stuff in by myself and I would have to stand up in front of like 300 plus people for an hour, an hour and a half and give a, a vibrant and, <laughs> and entertaining session about, you know, the college I was representing and answer a ton of questions after. And it was always, I always felt like it was a performance because I knew my, 
my sort of my role, my spiel, like what I was going to do. Everyone was a little bit different, but it was also a uh, similar energy, I think. And so, but I just haven't like, I, I think I'll feel a little rusty at that. I haven't done that in a while, <laughs> so, but it's, it's reminding me of that. Yeah. It sounds very similar. I think it'll come back quick. Um, it has to <laughs> once you're on there. I mean, otherwise the, the show is over before you know it and you're like, what just happened? But I think it'll come back quick. I mean, knowing you just, Take control. Take command of the stage. It is your your show, and that's no disrespect at all to the other women that are going to be up there with you, but you're going to be leading that conversation and kind of teeing up topics and um, just sort of you know, encouraging, encouraging folks to, you know, articulate on their, on their answers and maybe to go a little bit deeper and, and kind of playing, playing traffic cop, like in, you know, in a way too, with that many like guests up there. Um, but I think yeah, you're going to handle it just well. I mean, the, the plus to that, I think the plus to that is, is you will probably talk the least of everyone who yeah, is up there. I mean, you're sort of like the, you know, you're the setup woman for, for everyone else. And I think you're just going to do a great job at that. So, um, Thank I got you. faith. In Thank you. you so much. I I appreciate that. <laughs> I appreciate that a lot considering I'm kind of getting ready to do it now, but I also think um it's a milestone moment for me because I always I spent a lot of time before I started the podcast thinking about how a lot of these conversations are not typically moderated by like native women. Mm-hmm. I I really I guess there's no other way to phrase that. And so I I feel like it's a unique opportunity to also lead a conversation with, uh, you know, com- coming from my own lens and like with my yep. context in running. And I, I think in the, f- in the industry of running, especially like, it's just not something I saw. It was like native women leading conversations, brown women leading conversations around women in sport for, you know, the next 50 years or the past 50 years. And so I'm very excited that hopefully it'll, it'll make any women who see themselves in me uh, in that room or who are listening to it feel more comfortable and invited to that conversation because I think, you know, several of the people on the panel are Olympians or professional runners who've been training, you know, for a very long time and are absolutely amazing. But I think sometimes that feels like unrelatable too <laughs> and, and can feel inaccessible as well to some, uh, to some folks, like especially like myself. And so I think it's my goal to like open that space up to more people. So I'm excited about that. That's why it means so much to me. Yeah. hundred percent. That's going to happen. I mean, you, you can't be it unless you see it and people are going to see it, or in this case, listen to it and see themselves in, in your shoes and say, well, why, why can't I do that? Or mm-hmm. like, <laughs> I, I can do that. Um, and then zooming out from that, I mean, you are the host of the show. And like I was just saying, you're sort of the setup woman for um, a lot of these other women to speak, but you also come at this from a unique perspective yourself, just as a native woman, woman of color, and can contribute to to that conversation um, through a lens that the other women can't. And they're going to contribute through a lens that, you know, you can. And I think that's what makes a conversation like that really special and beautiful and meaningful and ultimately, you know, impactful is that there are just so many different people up there from various backgrounds, you know, who who all want the same thing, um, but are just contributing mm-hmm. their, you know, their specific viewpoint and experience to it that someone's going to relate to and then hopefully be able to see like how how that piece fits into this like you know greater puzzle that is the future of women's running yeah thanks and and to like know that i'm not 
I'm not necessarily like the fastest runner or anything. And I'm still qualified to like have these conversations with people that I look up to in the sport and that are, you know, doing amazing things in the sport and competing at a super high level. I think that's kind of a dream come true because it's something that I think when you're growing up and you're maybe not like super naturally talented at a sport, you kind of count yourself out from a lot of things in it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate that that space is there for me still. Yeah, I can appreciate that. But I also just want to push back on that a little bit. I know, I know where you're coming from, but like speed is not really a qualification for anything unless you're trying to oh, make yeah, the Olympics no, know, or an elite race. I mean, running is just but so I much more than that. I can't relate to their like Olympic experience or like even competing like, right. collegiately, even at a high level. Like I think there's a difference in experience there that like for sure definitely has to do with speed. Yeah, for, for sure. And that's <laughs> point blank. Yeah. And that's, and that's one part of it. And I think like women and, and anyone who hasn't come from that background, here's someone yeah, like yeah. Kara Goucher. And I say her name just cause she's the most recognizable one and say like, wow, like that, that's wild. Mm -hmm. I'll never experience that. Or I've never experienced that, but that's super interesting. But on the flip side, and I've seen this happen in my own circles where someone who doesn't come from that background where they've run at a high level or run super fast, qualified for Boston, went to the Olympics, what, like whatever it may be, hear someone such as yourself speak, like growing up in a running family mm -hmm. as a native woman. And running is more than just qualifying for the next meet or, or trying to run a personal best. And, and they have a similar reaction. They're like, wow, like that paints running in a completely, you know, new light for me. And I think we just need more of that. I mean, you're going to yeah. orchestrate that conversation at bird camp, but I hope more of those types of conversations can just occur like through podcasts like this live events um, in our, you know, in our various communities, because I think that's what makes running beautiful is it can be just different things to different people. And we're all in it um, for some of the same reasons, but for different reasons as well. And I think that just helps create more of a mutual like respect and understanding between, you know, runners, whatever they're in it for. Yeah, I agree. Well, thanks for that. I'm excited. We'll see. I, I guess if people want to listen to it, it will be on my show. Um, I'll go ahead and put that out as, as soon as I can, I think, once mm -hmm. I get back from bird camp. So that, that'll that be out probably in the next few weeks here uh, following this Common Ground episode. But what about you? What's been up in your life? <laughs> so as of this conversation, which is going to get released on my feed Monday, your feed Wednesday, when it gets released mm -hmm. in yours, I will be on my way to Hawaii and on my first vacation in two and a half years. So right now, I feel like the kid at the end of the school year who still has final exams ahead of him because I, yeah. I've got a lot <laughs> that I need to do, um, but I can I can see my break like just on the horizon and I need it really bad. I just feel like I've been going at a thousand miles an hour for a while now. It's just time to hit the mm -hmm. brakes and reset for a bit because when I get back from vacation, I'm going to hit the ground running again and it's going to be full right. on through the end of the year. So I'm really just looking forward to a break. Um, everything is in full swing right now. Um, my own running, I'm going to start racing this fall. This, this weekend, as of this conversation, once we put this out, it'll have been like two days prior, but I'm gonna have a cross country race this weekend myself. Um, the athletes that That's I work exciting. with are anywhere between like five and 14 weeks out from their mm -hmm. their key races. So everyone's just in, in full swing right now. So I'm on the phone a lot, having a lot of conversations, talking people down uh, who might be a little banged up or they missed a workout, um, you know, trying to 
rein in some other people who are getting really excited and like, hey, I want to adjust my goal by like, you know, 10 minutes. And that just takes a lot of like time, but also emotional energy. And I feel like mm -hmm. I, I need the break from that because I've poured so much into it, which is my job. I, I expect to pour that much into it. Uh, but, you know, it's 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 exhausting, to be honest. Um, yeah. and, and that's, you know, that's just like part of the deal. And I'm glad that I have this opportunity to give myself a break here uh, next week. And I plan on taking full advantage of it so that I can come back refreshed and, you know, power through the rest of the year. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Do you fully tap out like as a coach as well when you take your breaks? Like how do you handle having a week away? Like do you stay in contact with your athletes that whole time? Uh, that's a good question. I do tap out. Uh, they won't hear from me unless it's an emergency, but they know that. <laughs> You're on I your mean, own. <laughs> I, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I told them a month out, like, hey, a month from now, I'm going on vacation. They're going to get another notice today after we get off here. Like, hey, reminder, I'm on vacation starting next Wednesday. I'm back on the 6th. Your schedules will be built out till the 11th. If you need to mm -hmm. talk to me before I leave, like, let's get something on the calendar ASAP so that we can talk through it. Um, I'm not going to be looking at training logs every day that I'm on vacation, responding to feedback that you leave me in final surge, which is where I plan their training. But if something comes up, you know, an injury flares up or something I, I should know about that I need to know about, I'll text me. Like, that's what I'm, I'm here for. Like, I'll, I'll get that. But I'm not at home. I'm not at my desk in front of my computer, my normal workflow. I'm not at my phone scheduling right. things like that. So it's like all of, all of those things completely go away. And I'm sure I'll, I'll scroll Strava and see what some people are doing. I can't help myself. I mean, I can't completely <laughs> check out in that way, but the communication, which is a, a big aspect of it and a very time consuming aspect of it, isn't going to happen while I'm on vacation. Like not that day-to-day -day feedback that they get on their workouts, certainly no um, phone calls unless it's an absolute emergency and they, and they absolutely need it. And, and, you know, by and large, my athletes are, are very respectful of that. I think one, because I've communicated it to them early enough that, that they know. So we've been able to kind of check all the big boxes before I leave right. and I'm, and I'm gone a week. I mean, ch chances are, um, that, you know, nothing, nothing is going to happen during that week that can't wait till I'm back. Yeah, um, and, yeah. and again, like if it if it can't wait, you know, text me and we'll, you know, we'll sort it out. Um, fortunately, I don't have anyone who's like racing during that time. So I won't be, you know, up, up late at night, uh, following races or anything like that. So that's in my <laughs> that's in my favor this time. But I can't like keep it out of my consciousness, I guess, like, I'm, I'm always like thinking about, you know, my, my athletes yeah, and do you're I scrolling them? Strava yeah, and, and I will, I'll still, I'll still scroll Strava after I upload my, my own run. I mean, I, you know, I'm human, I can't help myself, but, um, compared to what my normal day-to-day -day looks like and the amount of just attention that I, I give my athletes, um, a lot of that, most all mm -hmm. of that is just mm -hmm. gonna, is gonna get scaled back so that I can relax. But I mean, my, my brain will be, you know, going full on the first like two days that I'm there. And I think that's a lot of people when they go on vacation. Um, their, you know, their, their work brain, for lack of a better term, is still just like, you know, spinning uh, pretty quickly mm -hmm. the first couple of days, and then eventually it settles down. I'm sure that'll be the case for me. Like, I'll, I'll have to just give myself a chance to kind of come out of like work mode, but I'm being Hawaii. We're going to be on a beach. Uh, we've got things scheduled to do. Um, so, I mean, I'll be, I'll be wrapped up in that. So I, I think it'll be a nice break for me. Yeah, definitely. Well, I have had a very, because I've had a chaotic month, I, I feel like I hit my first 
like running hiccup in the marathon training. Uh oh. <laughs> what happened? Going really well. I'm I'm okay. I'm not injured or anything, so that's good. But uh, I think I just had a lot of a lot of things like hit my personal life all at once in mm-hmm. the same week. Um, we we had a loss in my family, unfortunately, which I know I mentioned to you before uh, before this episode and. Uh, it's been a couple weeks now, but that was, of course, a really, really hard time for uh, my family on my dad's mm-hmm. side. So just thinking of my family a lot, but also just a lot of other things going on with with work. And so I kind of just had my first real like solid, like I just couldn't run like break, um, which I expected would hit me at some point. I didn't I didn't run all of 2021. So I think to like rebuild and go back to just like straight, you know, hard grinding training um for several months i just knew at some point it would probably catch up to me a little bit because i do think what i'm doing uh even though i had a little bit of time to prep is still a fast uh yeah. it's still a fast build up and it's still like kind of a it it's a big goal i would say <laughs> uh, hard, a little bit hard to reach i still totally am fine and i think i plan you know to get back on track i'm actually really grateful i'm headed to a running retreat um that will hopefully serve as a nice inspiring place to run with other people. But I basically just didn't get out for a run. Nell was great about it. Um, my coach Nell Rojas and she commented on a lot of my runs and, and just said like, that's fine. We will just scale back a little and like have to kind of like do a little bit of a restart, Mm -hmm. but you shouldn't have lost too much, uh, you know, in just, just a, a little over a week. And so I felt okay about it, but it was definitely a little bit discouraging because I think once you stop, like once you like if you're keep going and going and going, you lose that you momentum. Stop, it's really hard to keep to get going again. So I've struggled a little bit with getting going again. Like I felt really sluggish or I like can't get out the door, and I was feeling like great like a couple weeks ago. So that's been kind of a bummer, honestly. I felt like I had like the most positive uh, recap last time we recorded this, and now I'm like, oh. I'm a little bit of a slump right now. So Hey, but that's, that's real. That's part of it. I think anyone listening to this, I mean, speaking for myself, I can certainly relate. I've been there. Um, I don't care, you know, how fast you are, how experienced you are. At some point something's gonna disrupt your momentum. And it is really hard to just get restarted and to and to feel good again. But I think you're approaching it the right way. You obviously have Nell's support and guidance in bringing you back. And I think right now it's just about getting back out there. You know, if you can keep getting back out there fre- frequently, eventually it's going to feel it's going to feel good again. You're going to hit your stride. I think something like Bird Camp being around just other women at this running retreat, assuming you're going to go out for some runs while you're there is mm-hmm. going is going to be like incredibly motivating and you may take that home and then all of a sudden it's like, "All right, you got new momentum," right? And and that's going to yeah, fuel yeah. like this next phase of your marathon training, the long runs that you have coming up and um you know, it's it's hard to see sometimes right now when you're in like the the drudgery of it. Um, when you're like, all right, I'm just trying to to get back out the door <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> again. But I think it's not a complete rebuild. You just need a little spark to kind of get things going. I know. Again. I'm like mentally like I don't know why I'm so panicked. Like it's a complete rebuild. Like I know it's not. I know logically when I zoom out, like I'm in so, such a different place than I was, you know, three months ago, four months ago. Um, but it just feels terrible in my head. I think because I've never run the marathon, I'm super, you know, anxious about what that distance feels like. And I really have no, 
idea. And so I think it's been hard for me to wrap my head around because any time I've ever slipped in training for anything else, I've pretty much run every other distance, mm-hmm. you know, mult- so many times in my life that it's like, oh, yeah, like even if I'm a bit undertrained, I'll get through that. You know, it's not scary. Like I can hop into things uh, and not feel not feel anxious and not feel worried about anything. And I think just like missing time like that, it made me feel like everything was coming crashing down and I did something terribly wrong because people take marathon training so seriously and and they're sort of like everyone's in training right now on Instagram too I feel like if you follow a lot of runners on social media like this is the kind of peak time for posting about your fall marathon training and so I think it, it hit me like as I was um experiencing this slump it felt like everyone else was like doing great and like running a ton. And I know that's like social media is a lie, but still it does, it is very difficult yeah, <laughs> to well, look at. Yeah. That, I mean, that is social media most of the time. And it is the the lie that kind of gets fed to your head, making you feel like you're the only one who's not doing that. But if I can put my coaching hat on right now, hopefully <laughs> Nell will appreciate this. This is all yeah. practice <laughs> for the marathon itself, because when you're in the race in early November, especially early on, like you're, you're going to find momentum at some point. You'll be like, this is great. This is like, I don't know what the big deal is. Um, I can run this pace forever. And then without warning at the snap of a finger, likely at some point of the race, you're going to be like, what did I get myself into? Like, I just felt like a million bucks a mile ago. And now I don't know if I can put one foot in front of the other. But what do you have to do? Gather yourself and just put one foot in front of the other. And if you do that for long enough, eventually – like you're going to regain that momentum. And even if you don't, like you're still moving forward and you're going to finish the damn thing. And I think that's kind of like where you're at right now. You just got to get out and keep putting those, those runs in and those runs are going to stack up. The weeks are going to pile up and you know, the long runs are going to get longer. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, all right. Like I I got it going again. Like I'm in my, you know, I'm in my groove, you know, I can, you know, I can, I can see this, this goal now and it feels like a lot more attainable. That's going to be the marathon itself. Um, I mean, so many people have from like Dina Castor on down to novice runners have, have said that about the marathon, that it is like kind of a, you know, metaphor for life. And as cheesy as that can be, um, it's true. Like it really, you know, it really is true. So like a lot of like what you're experiencing now, just think of it as practice for the marathon itself, because I think mentally you're gonna have to kind of put yourself in a similar place. You're like, all right, Danae, just take the next step, just take the next step. And, you know, (laughs) and, and, and knowing that if you're able to do that, you know, you're making progress, you're moving forward, you're going to get closer to where you want to be. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. I, it's a very, it's been a very mentally like taxing process. Like I think, um, the, it, it was pretty fun in the beginning. It's still fun, but I think it's, I didn't anticipate how difficult it would be to like, especially if you are a runner who runs at a slower pace like me, like, or a pace that requires you to be out there much longer. Um, it means that like, uh, the amount of hours that somebody at a quicker pace than me would be out there on like a Saturday long run is equivalent to what I'm doing on like Tuesday. <laughs> like, so, you know, I think that's the, that's the other part for me is I'm like, I have to block out like two hours of my time, you know, every day to do this because my training includes walking and running and, or intervals, or it just takes me longer to get through certain things. So, um, I am happy we go mostly by time rather than mm-hmm. miles, but still, it's like a long haul for me and I just feel like it everything takes longer and so that's so much time out of every day and it's like 
for, I don't know how people do this. Honestly, I'm like, wow, I could not be in marathon training every year. This is definitely a, a difficult task because of work and life and travel. And you have to like fit in so much time every day. And I think like that I'm really like realizing now it is not great to be an evening runner <laughs> and be in marathon training because I've been an evening runner my whole life. Yeah. And I see the benefits of like running in the early morning and like finishing it. And then the rest of your day is normal because I, I have struggled so much with the time management part of uh, the marathon training, particularly, which no race has ever really challenged me in the same way. Yeah. I mean, the, the commitment, I mean, whether you're running a little over two hours for the marathon or over four or over five or six or whatever. Um, it is a big time commitment. Um, yeah. <laughs> like no matter what. And, and I think there is something to be said for checking it off first thing in the morning. Cause then you're like, all right, well that's done. Um, I don't have to commit any more time to that today and I can get on with the rest of my day. Whereas I think we've all been there where if you are an evening runner or for whatever reason you have to put it off, till later in the day, you get to a point of the day where you're just so overwhelmed and tired. <laughs> yeah. And then you're like, well, I want to get to bed at a decent hour and I still have to eat dinner and I'd like to watch my show yep. or whatever it happens to be. And, you're and like, I have to find a way to like and, go outside for an hour and a half yeah, or something. Yeah, like, yeah. Exactly. It's just, it's, I think that's just like such a mental burden more than anything else. And, yeah, and, that's... and my <laughs> hypothesis is that that kind of forces more people to become morning runners than, you know, scheduling or anything like that is like just not having that hangover their head at the end of every day. But some people can manage it really well. But I mean, this is all a process, right? So I, I think yeah. you got to keep that in mind, too. Like you're, you know, you're going through it and you're figuring it out, like sort of as, as you go. And I have confidence that you'll make it work. Thanks. Yeah, I desperately want to be a morning runner. I've just tried so many times. <laughs> I always talk about it, but it's so hard for me. But yeah, the amount of time I have to put towards it in the afternoons or evenings. I'm like, it's not as easy to just do it at lunch or, you know, whatever time used to work for me to just go mm -hmm. out for a quick run because I have to put in an entire workout and it like takes it out of me sometimes. Like these are very different than what I was doing before with like casual running and walking. Um, sometimes I'm like really tired. <laughs> I can't like do work after that. So yeah, I'm, I'm trying to figure it out. I just think I hit like a roadblock a little bit and my life got super busy and I was like, Whoa, I can't do this this week. Um, yeah. and I felt kind of sluggish. I felt kind of like lethargic and I was like unmotivated. And I think, um, hopefully I regain some of that this weekend. And like, just by talking to a bunch of other runners and placing myself in a situation where there are also other people training for a marathon. Cause I, I don't have anyone around me. I'm, I think I'm also, I'm learning all these things about like why people make certain decisions around training. Mm -hmm. Cause again, I'm like a solo runner. I run a, like much shorter distances. Like my ideal typical run when I'm in good shape and healthy is like three miles, you know, like I don't really like going out for like 10 milers. And so I, feel like this is all very unnatural for me and I realize like oh wow this is why people like join teams and groups <laughs> like yes. have friends who do this because <laughs> this really sucks by yourself sometimes yeah I mean um, it's an so, adjustment yeah, good and bad days <laughs> yeah it's an adjustment for sure I mean again like mentally time management um but even just if you can knock it out first thing in the morning, or if you're carrying over fatigue from your evening run the night before, when you get thick into it, um, even at the highest level, like you do kind of walk around like somewhat tired all the time. And it, it's mm -hmm. like, 
you know, it's like marathon brain. I mean, like, you know, new moms talk about like, you know, mom brain when they're in the, you know, early stages of, of having a kid for the first time where you become kind of like forgetful or a little bit spacey. I think marathon brain is kind of like that to a, you know, to a certain exhausted, degree yeah. where, yeah, you're just and kind I'm of like always hungry, like exhausted, like, always hungry, like kind of nod, so hungry? nodding off at your desk a little bit. Um, you know, I remember, um, having a conversation many years ago with uh, Scott Douglas, longtime freelancer in the the running space. And I remember him telling me when he was training hard for marathons, he was falling asleep at his desk during the day for like, like 15 or 20 minutes, uh, not planning to, like just kind of like, you know, so tired that he, you know, he'd put his head down. I mean, I've seen the, you know, the quote, which I'm not saying this is where people should be, but I think it really s- speaks to and sums up a lot of people's experience. Uh, And I can't remember who said it, but the quote was, I know that I'm training hard when I wake up tired and I go to bed feeling even more tired. Um, And I mean, that's probably, that's probably, you know, most people most days anyway. But I think if you're training for a marathon, you know exactly like what that feels like compared to what maybe you're, maybe what your normal, what your normal is. But yeah, just keep doing what you can to take care of yourself, Um, you know, sleep well, eat well, um, and just continue putting in work one day at a time. That's, that's what I'm going for. (laughs) I I wrote my first blog post as well. I know I talked about, uh, doing a a small series with, uh, New York Roadrunners and I did my first blog post for them about, uh, my marathon journey and how I'll be running, you know, New York city. And, uh, so I talk a little bit about kind of my story and like why New York in that. And that, I think that helped me like set my intentions a little yeah. bit and um, just write about it and just understand like why I'm particularly deciding to do New York, you know, as opposed to any other marathon and uh, why it's just an important journey for me. So I think that's been fun to like find uh, purpose in my running again because it, it, I've just been like flailing for a couple of years <laughs> and uh, just getting myself all like put put back together through running has been a very long journey. I think I will, I, I'm probably going to like cry like, <laughs> across the finish line or something. Cause this has been very taxing and I don't know if I'll ever do this again. So we'll see how <laughs> much I do or do not enjoy this, <laughs> but I, I've enjoyed the process cause I think I've learned a lot about myself and I'm only like, you know, halfway through it or whatever. And so, uh, I think probably some of the harder moments are still to come, I'm guessing. Uh, so we'll uh, they are, um, but, yeah. <laughs> but that, <laughs> but what you described, like, that's what it's all about. I mean, obviously it means a lot to cross the finish line and whether you decide that the marathon is something that you want to do on a regular basis or not is completely your decision. But I think what it's about is like everything that you've learned along the way, like about yourself, about being able to push a little bit further, about how to structure your days better, manage your time, um, get the most out of your workouts, prioritize, you know, recovery, whatever it may be. Like those, those are the things that you want to take with you beyond the finish line that, you know, you can apply to varying degrees in your life, whether you're training for a marathon or not. Yeah. Well, I have a lot of respect for everyone else who's also training for marathons or has done this before because this has been a 
a very trying experience for me, but I, I've really liked it actually. Like the, the lead up I've really liked, but I have a feeling I'm gonna be very nervous about the marathon in a way I've do not really get nervous before like other races, uh, just because there is so much build up to it that you feel like you're building towards something for so many weeks and you put in all this time, like what happens if it doesn't go well kind of thing. Um, so I just, I feel like I have so much more insight to all these things that other people have been talking about, uh, you know, for, for these years, I've been talking to mostly marathoners on my podcast. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I guess just shout out to anyone else who's training for a marathon right now and can use a little bit of a boost because I'm definitely I'm in need of that. And I, yeah, I'm glad we had this conversation. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, there's no doubt someone or someone's listening to this conversation who are, are nodding their head and are in a very similar place mm-hmm. to where you are right now. Um, and, and I say this um, just to, as like a you know, a message of solidarity more than anything else. Like you are not alone. Like there are definitely other people who are in like a similar or the same exact boat as you are right now who feel like, man, is this, is this just me? Is it just like the marathon, you know, X, Y, and Z. And it's like, it's not an uncommon experience. So I appreciate you just being so candid with it because I think it's going to help someone who's listening to this and they're like, all right, well, I'm not alone. Like I, like Danae is in a very similar spot to me, regardless of whether like their finishing time is um, close to yours or not. It doesn't really matter all that much. I think everything that you've described, the experiences that, that you've had, the doubts, all of it are are very common. I mean, as someone who ran his first marathon 15 or so years ago, I had a lot of the same things. I mean, like many yeah. of the same thoughts that you're having. And I'll, I'll leave you with this. I mean, you have a great coach in your corner in Nell Rojas. I know that you two will um, no doubt be in regular communication as you build up to New York. But if you feel like your finger is close to the panic button, you have my number, just give me a call. Yeah. I will, <laughs> I will talk you away. I will talk you away from it. Um, if, if need be. So, uh, that option is always there as well. I appreciate that. <laughs> I, I, maybe I'll need that too. Yeah. Cause I think, uh, having like multiple people who, who understand it or, uh, are doing it with you is like really important. And so, yeah, I've, I will, I will admit that I have mostly done it alone, not to, uh, gain pity or anything, but I feel like, of course I have like the help of my partner Reed and, uh, you know, my family and stuff, but like day to day, like I, it's just me like going outside and going for a run or like, you know, just taking my splits on my watch and doing my own thing by myself with, with a lot of music. Like I listen to a lot of music while I run and it's really important to me, but it's, it's been a very solitary experience. And so I think that has been really preferred for me, but also very hard. Mm -hmm. And so I think, um, I've never had that much difficulty with that. Um, so if I ever did this again, I think I would probably maybe want to do it with someone else or like join a group or something for it. But, uh, but I do, yeah, maybe, maybe that's why this is helpful because other people who run alone are probably listening to podcasts too, which is what I do. (laughs) So I, I can relate to that, but yeah. Well, thanks. (laughs) One of the rewards at the end of it will be that you get to do the thing with 50 to 55,000 of your newest and closest friends. (laughs) So you will not be alone for, for the marathon itself. And I think just giving yourself like that carrot kind of look forward to it at the end of the training cycle can be helpful. I don't know people out there, you know, my friend, my, one of my best friends, Beth, uh, who's been on my podcast, uh, before she ran, uh, with me in high school from, she ran for my dad, uh, she ran cross country 
and track. And so she she also ran at Syracuse University. She's running uh, New York City as well. So it's kind of cool because uh, Beth and I, I guess we've run several races over the years together, but it's my first time running a marathon and she'll be there. And she was like my high school cross country team captain. So I think it's kind of cool that we're running the same marathon and that she'll be there for my first race. Cause she used to always like hype me up before cross country meets that I was really nervous for. So it's nice to know that she'll be out on the course, probably much faster than me and in a very different place. But just to know that she's there is really helpful. She's another native woman as well. I love it. I mean, that's an experience that even if the two of you don't run together, which it doesn't sound like you will, that you'll be able to share, you know, moving, yeah. you know, moving forward. And that's awesome. I mean, that's one of the the beautiful things about this sport. Yeah. But other than that, what, what else is up? <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> Well, we've got to wind this one down over the next few minutes. Um, yeah, this one's a shorter one. <laughs> I feel like we need to talk about music before we do, though. You just mentioned that a few minutes ago. What are you listening to on a lot of these solo runs or just in general? Yeah, I so I love running playlists. I'm somebody where if I probably one of the things that gets me out the door sometimes is that the night before I have like a longer workout or a a run maybe I'm not looking super forward to (laughs) is I make a new playlist. And so I, I do that all the time. I've thought about making some of my playlists public at some point or like sharing them uh, through, you know, Spotify or whatever. But I, I feel like that gets me going and I try to make new playlists for new moods. Uh, But I've been listening a lot to, or I'll listen to a full album. Um, But the albums I've been listening to include Maggie Rogers, new album. Uh, I think it's called surrender. Have you heard of Maggie Rogers? I have not. Okay, you should definitely listen to Maggie Rogers. I feel like you would like Maggie Rogers. All right, I'll check her um, out. Her first album was back in 2019. It was called Heard It in a Past Life. And NPR did like a cool new artist spotlight on her back back in 2019. I remember one day I was driving to work and they featured her on Morning Edition. And I that's kind of how I got into her. And I think, I think Reed might have been listening to her as well. He's so good at finding new artists. And so that's, especially since now he works in the music industry, right. I feel like he's always on top of new artists. But this is like her sophomore album. Um, it was pretty highly anticipated. And I love her music and I loved the album. So I think it's very good. She's kind of like, indie folksy like singer songwritery um okay but excellent stuff and so i've been into that and let me see what else i've been listening to oh important to note i did attend my first red rocks concert that is one good cool thing i did who'd you see <laughs> um i went to see uh, a band called mount joy right and I've you told me this. about them before mm-hmm. yeah so that was really cool um and just an absolutely surreal experience like first of all that place is not for the week you have to walk so many steps to see a concert there it is it is like so physically you need to have endurance to get through a red rocks concert i parked in a lower lot it was it was a journey up like what felt like hundreds of stairs in a high altitude um but it was really fun and really worth it uh so that was cool. And then I've kind of been diving back into, I know this is like kind of an older one, but I've been listening to a lot of the Eagles. So I don't know if you're a fan of the Eagles, but I am a fan of the Eagles. Wow. That one caught me off guard, but awesome. Just the same. I think that's a, uh, I, yeah, I bounce all around. Well, I, I, I know, mean, with music. so, I mean, I, I do the same thing and I'll go on, I'll go on kicks and I go down all kinds of rabbit holes, music and, and otherwise, um, as we've <laughs> talked about many a time. Um, yes. Recently, 
Um, this is more of a, a song that I've been hooked on, and it was brought to my attention that um, it was actually used in Big Little Lies, but the song is Cold Little Heart by Michael um, Kiwanuka. And hmm. I had on, I can't remember what the the playlist was, but it was like an Apple Music's Essentials where you can put in an artist and listen to all of their uh, their stuff. And that playlist usually has like, I don't know, call it 20 tracks in it. And then once you get through those 20 tracks, it just kind of randomly starts throwing songs at you. Um, mm -hmm. And that's what happened here. Like it threw this song at me. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Um, I was like, I got to listen to it again. And then just the way that my mind works and my personality works, I listened to it like a dozen more times to pick it apart, listen to the lyrics um, and all of that. But I'll check cold, out that song. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll send you um, my favorite version of it, which is the uh, surprise, surprise, the acoustic version of it. But Michael Kiwanuka is, is it on the, YouTube. <laughs> Is the artist. It is on, it's on YouTube. It's on Spotify. I got it on Apple okay. Music. Uh, so even the acoustic version is is available um, on all the the major streaming services. Um, major streaming services. Um, and then the you went on your Eagles kick. Um, I went on like a Lauren Hill and Fuji's kick. And this is again oh, the the great thing about Apple Hill. Music is I can I can just pop in like Lauren Hill Essentials and it pulls up a lot of Fuji songs anyway but um, if she's done collabs with people uh, it'll find those and it'll put it in there and then I went down um, like a Fuji's rabbit hole which brings me back to junior high school and I remember like um, listening to him on like our field trips to New York and all that kind of stuff so that's what I've been listening to a lot that's awesome. lately yeah the Eagles kick is largely because I just I love old for me what what mm -hmm. is for me old music not to <laughs> you know to call anyone out there old uh, mostly my music tastes derive from my dad I would say who uh, is a huge Eagles fan I think so that's a good way to classify old music like what your parents listen to is like old yeah. music. Yeah, we've talked about it. No I offense, love parents. Dan, I love. Yeah, I love Steely Dan. I love the Eagles. I love you know the Who, like I, Fleetwood Mac. Like that's all very much like Same. my dad's influence. Mm -hmm. But um, every once in a while, I will do a deep dive because I realize, oh, you know, I was raised on a lot of these hits, but like I would like to give their albums some time too because I didn't like come of age in right. those eras, and so I realize sometimes I miss like the deep tracks or like what these artists were actually talking about or things like that. So I've been listening to the Eagles like self titled album from 1972. <laughs> Love it. Um, yeah, yeah, so that's a good vibe. Yeah, I'll I'll do the same. I mean, my my mom was really into like Cat Stevens, Neil Young, Simon and Garfunkel, mm -hmm. like, uh, you know, a lot uh, yeah. from that from that same era as as the Eagles, like early, you know, early mid late 70s. And I'll, I'll do the same thing. I'll, I'll either pull up an essentials playlist, or I'll just go into the old albums and start listening to tracks that um, really aren't well known. Um, you know, they're like, you know, Eagles have a lot of, of classics, but I'm sure as with any yeah. artist, like there's a lot that um, never really saw the light of day or just under appreciated. And, and those are always fun discoveries. I think. I had a really funny experience speaking of uh, quote unquote old music. <laughs> I did take my sister, this is earlier this summer, but I took my sister to uh, a concert and it was actually a train concert. Uh, so that was a little bit more her, you know, her speed because train okay. has like, you know, contemporary hits on the radio, the very like pop music, even though they've been like out since like the nineties, like I grew up on 
train, you know, meet Virginia, drops of Jupiter, et cetera. But the opener for train, <laughs> there are two openers. It was Blues Traveler and Jewel. And my sister had no idea who Jewel was specifically. What? <laughs> of course, she had absolutely no idea who Blues Traveler was. Not to throw her under the bus here. To be fair, she is like Gen Z, much younger than me. Uh, but fair. it just totally blew my mind because I was like, how do you not know who Jewel is? <laughs> Did you see that I linked to Jewel in this week's morning shakeout? Oh, my gosh. You did? Yeah, that's, that's why I'm like, she didn't know who Jewel was. I'm like, yeah, that was so my funny. Yeah, that was my my musical link this week. Definitely um, oh gosh, check I it out in my inbox. I just haven't looked at it yet. Yeah, that's on, so cool. on YouTube, of course, it was an acoustic version of You Were Meant For Me. And it's just her oh, in yes. <laughs> a studio, like a not a recording studio, like a, a radio studio. I think it was an NPR interview that she did. And then she played that at the end of the interviews. I, I didn't listen to the interview, but they have the song and I, I linked off to it. And it's just her, an acoustic guitar and a microphone in front of her. Um, nothing, uh, no backup music, like no other instruments, like no sound person there or anything. It's just her and a guitar. And she is just so good. I mean, she's oh, just, I love Jewel. <laughs> like the, the point I, the point I tried to get across um, in the newsletter this week is like, like you just know talent when you see it. Um, and in the case of music, like you, you hear talent. And for me, like it doesn't really get much more obvious than Jewel. Um, you, you just listen to it. You don't have to watch the, the video, but you listen to it and it's just so pure and it's just so good. Um, and she was incredible live. It's actually my second time seeing her, mm -hmm. but I couldn't believe that my sister's introduction to Jewel was watching Jewel live <laughs> with Blues Traveler right before it. It was so funny, like to hear these old songs and and have my sister be like, "Yeah, I don't know what these are," uh, but now now she loves Jewel and we like bond over mm -hmm. Jewel. But my favorite part of the concert is also that Jewel just seemed really like down to earth, and she had this whole, um, you know, kind of spiel she went on to the crowd about how her goal was to be one of the greatest singer songwriters of all time, and she put all this pressure on herself to be, you know, ultra successful. And then she kind of was like, "I wasn't meant." She she kind of went on a little bit of a, a rant about, you know, she wasn't meant to like work every single day of her life and to give herself rest, and that if she just does something creative every day, she will be happy. Like she started really seeking happiness and it was just this really beautiful reflection oh, that's cool. in the middle of her songs she's it was like really cool and inspirational and it was a great concert so uh yeah we got to see we got to see all of them together earlier this summer but i've been i've definitely been listening to more jewel because of that in the past month or two yeah i mean no surprise to you i watch a lot of concerts on youtube and yeah, yeah. i really appreciate her concerts because the the interludes and the stories that she tells yeah. um give a lot of context to her songs because she's an incredible mm -hmm. songwriter and the yeah, and the lyrics is. reflect that if you really dive into it and her story is pretty amazing i mean she's like a poor girl from alaska who kind of went around with her dad for a bit and played in all these like different bars and then she was like homeless in san diego yeah, for a while homeless, and yeah. got into this like prestigious music school and then you know got discovered and, and ultimately became like a you know a best-selling artist but also like an underappreciated best-selling artist but she's just like yeah an amazing musician like she doesn't need much to show her talent and i think that's really the mark of of true talent and for for me i can't think of many other artists who exemplify that quite to the level that she does 
Yeah, I agree. She was she was incredible live, and I've seen her as an opener both times I've seen her. So it's cool because she kind of steals the show in a yeah. lot of ways. So she's a, she's a, just an amazing performer. So yeah, that's what what I'm mostly playing. I also have all of my just like I said running playlists where I'll listen to different things based on like the tempo or or whatever. So one of these days I'll I'll compile something and I'll share it. I've been slowly building my marathon one. What I do is I don't listen to my race day playlist until race day but I'll add all the songs from that I'm just like sort of jamming to throughout my training cycle um, to it like every day or like every week I'll just go add a collection of songs so that when I get there at the end um, on race day I have like the past several months and mm -hmm. I can like dial into like where I was in those in that part of my training that's why I always change my music so that it's not stagnant and that I can associate it with a certain time in my training cycle so that when I'm running a race, I can like think back to like all of the different moments. I love it. We've already gone way longer than we had planned. I think we said we were going to yeah. do like a half hour show this week and here we are like 50 some odd minutes later, but let's, let's leave it at this. I think you and I need to collaborate on a common ground playlist and yeah, we should, we can release it after one of these episodes, maybe next month, maybe a couple months from now. Um, but I think that would be super fun to just work on with you and hopefully our respective listeners will appreciate it as much as we do. I love it. Sounds good. <laughs> All right. Well, until next time, for Danae Doremi, I'm Mario Fraley, and you have been listening to Common Ground. All right. That's it for this installment of Common Ground. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen in. Also, a big thank you to both New Balance and Gooder for helping make it possible. The Fuel Cell Super Comp Trainer from New Balance is something else. This shoe, which is out now, is so fun to run in. It's got 47 plush millimeters of foam underfoot and a super comfortable rocker profile that encourages efficient forward motion. It's also got a carbon plate in there that helps smooth the transition from foot strike to toe off and it's available now on newbalance.com or at your local run specialty retail store. Gooder sunglasses are my favorite shades to run in, drive, walk the dog, and a lot more. They don't bounce, they won't slip, and they're polarized to protect your eyes. Best of all, they're super affordable with most pairs coming in at just 25 to 35 bucks a piece. So if you'd like to support me in the podcast, treat yourself to a few pairs of Gooders and head over to gooder.com Mario and use the code Mario15 to get 15% off your entire order. Before we wrap up, I'd like to give a shout out, as always, to my man, John Summerford. He has produced every episode of the podcast and is the reason this show sounds as good as it does week in and week out. Also, thank you to Chris Douglas for being my right-hand man and handling sponsorship sales, and Jeffrey Stern for managing the AM Shakeout social media accounts. I don't have a big team here at The Morning Shakeout, but these three guys have been crucial in helping keep things running smoothly here. Last thing, if you're digging the podcast, I encourage you to sign up for my newsletter, also called The Morning Shakeout, at themorningshakeout.com slash subscribe, and in it, you'll get a collection of things that I've been thinking about reading and listening to lately that you might enjoy getting in your inbox every Tuesday morning. Okay, that's all I've got. I'm Mario Fraioli, and this has been another episode of Common Ground. <laughs>